Cleveland Guardians are dealing a pitcher down south and getting a guy who can rake in return. My name is Jeff Carr. I am the Locked On MLB channel manager, and alongside me is Justin Lotta from Locked On Guardians as we are going to dive into the Guardians splash that they made on this, uh, not necessarily trade deadline day, but trade deadline eve, uh, a one-for-one swap. And a, a very interesting swap at that, Justin, because you're trading from a position of not necessarily depth, and getting something that the Guardians do need in the future, what was your initial reaction to Cleveland trading Aaron Savale to Tampa? Not surprised they moved him at all. I think they they definitely were shopping him and wanted to see what value they could get out of him. Uh, a little more surprised this is a one-for-one one deal, but I think that says, A, something about his value, but B, also they were looking for quality too. This is normally a trade where they – would normally have gotten two, three, four pieces in the past. Uh, one, one, one for one deal either suggests that the, the value the market wasn't necessarily too hot, but also they were looking for quality here. The guy coming back from the Tampa Bay Rays is Kyle Manzardo. He is a first baseman that has a great hit tool, has uh, interesting thoughts. There's some people that think that he has great game power. There's other folks that say it needs work. Uh, according to MLB Pipeline, he was rated number 37 in their top 100 prospects. Where does he slot in for the Guardians on day one? He's definitely in the top 15, possibly probably top 10, to be honest. They've graduated some prospects there this year, especially in terms of pitching. Hitting prospects hasn't been that good. I mean, Bo Naylor is up at the big league level. Brian Rocchio is still there. George Valera has been hurt all year. John Kenzie Noel is, is not really hitting a ton this year. So they don't have a whole lot of hitting prospects that aren't either teenagers, especially not at the upper level. So definitely a top 10 hitter for them and a position of need. This is not a, not a uh, organization that has a lot of up and comers at first base right now. So with kind of hitting being the goal and especially in, you know, the years to come and stuff like that, with the fact that they're only a half game out of the division, what does this trade tell you about where the guardians see themselves in relation to the rest of the AL central? I think you kind of have to take the, the divisional context out of this. I think this okay. is purely a value play for them. If they were in any other division right now, they're, they're clear sellers, right? This is not a team that would be competing in any other division of baseball, maybe the NL Central. I don't know if it's a geography thing. So I think you have to take the divisional component out of it and just look at the value here. The Guardians continually in the race, too, continually are both teams that don't really go into the buyer-seller you know, kind of ethos. They are more, let's get this value for this player right now. I don't care where we're playing. And again, they addressed a positional need for them, a guy they think they can hit. They have to find offense, whether it's this year, whether it's next year or, or two years beyond. And they moved a guy who is very controllable, cheap. The market suggests that there weren't going to be a lot of controllable starters on, you know, this time of year. We've seen a lot of rentals go in the trade deadline so far, and the rental returns have been high. Teams who are selling rent, you know, are, are trading rental players are getting seemingly good returns. So it makes sense the Guardians would, would try to see what value Aaron Savali has. And this is a guy who's been hurt a lot. He has never pitched a full season. He was hurt already this year. So you're capitalizing on his value being at its peak right now with control left, being really cheap in arbitration. And, you know, banking on the fact that this guy's probably going to get injured again. He's probably not going to throw 180 innings in his career. So they have more pitching coming. They're trying to get healthy on that end of things. But 
This is about addressing a positional need that they can hope that can help as soon as next year and capitalizing on a guy's value right now while it's at its highest. What kind of consideration do you give uh, for the front office matchup in this trade? Because everybody considers the Tampa Bay Rays to be that one team in their fantasy league that nobody wants to trade with, but the Guardians have garnered quite a bit of respect as well with the way that they've built up their front office. Yeah, fans would probably want to tell you that this is not a good way to go, right? They have not fared well in trades with Tampa Bay. They acquired Jake Bowers previously in the Carlos Santana deal. They also offloaded some cash, got some money in return. That didn't go well. Obviously Jake Bowers did not play well for them. And there's the more recent swap of trading junior Cam Monero, who is now a top 10 prospect across baseball. And they got Tobias Myers back and Tobias Myers, I believe is with Baltimore or not Baltimore, Milwaukee at the double a right now. That trade went horribly sideways for them. So there are a lot of people who would tell you this is not a good avenue to go down. They have not fared well in their trades with the Rays. They are probably the one franchise that is more brutal to deal with than, than Cleveland. They are very hard to deal with, and Cleveland has a reputation like that as well. But these are two clubs that, that do match up value-wise, obviously, on paper. They've made a lot of trades over the years, and they clearly feel like they're getting a good end on, on each, each side of these trades here. Um, but it is hard to deal with, with front offices that, that have this much success trade-wise. No, maybe it's nobody wants to trade with the Guardians because <laughs> except for the Rays, nobody has fared well trading with the Guardians for the most part in terms of who they're giving up in the minor league players. I mean, ask the San Diego Padres who they would like to get back at from those trades with them, right? So the Rays are just the one team that's kind of gotten away with more in terms of the Guardians. But we'll see if they can kind of make this one out into a better situation. I'm imagining some sort of chess match when I'm trying to imagine the front offices of the Rays and the Guardians uh, communicating here. But uh, what's what's next for Cleveland as there's still just a little bit over 24 hours left in this trade deadline period? Well, they got Noah Syndergaard from Ed Rosario late last week. He's going to pitch on on Monday. He his first start for Cleveland. They're going to need another starter here. You know, they got a couple guys they're hoping to get back, but two of them won't come back till September. So. Trading deadline-wise, maybe they'd still like to find another arm out there. I don't know if there's a, a rental bat for them to really go out and get in this market, but uh, if if they're going to do anything else, I would think that maybe they'd go after another pitcher because they really aren't healthy on the pitching mark uh, on side of things, and they've got a bunch of rookies who are they're trying to control their innings a little bit. Make sure you keep it locked to Locked On Guardians each and every day as Justin and Jeff Ellis will take you through the season as the Guardians continue their chase for the AL Central title. Thanks, Justin.